0: well, I don't know where uh, you're coming out of this week or what happened this morning or today or in your life, Um, but we sing a song like that, you are good, you are good, and you're holding on to me even when the night is holding on. Um, It doesn't always feel like that. But those are moments and opportunities that we're going to see even in Genesis that the promises of God we have to trust in, that we step out by faith even when it seems like the night is holding on. And we walk by faith in the things we don't yet see, yet trusting in those things, but knowing that they are true. I want to encourage you with that song and those words this morning. Well, as we begin, we're starting a new series this morning, a new series we're calling Genesis Foundations, in which we're going to cover the first 11 chapters of Genesis. It's been called Primeval History. But by that I don't mean evil, like E-V-I-L, but primeval history, it means it tells the earliest story or history of our planet. A survey, you might say, we're going to find in Genesis 1 through 11 that, uh, right, that go right up to where chapter 12 begins the life of Abraham there in chapter 12. So Genesis 1 through 11 are like a grand, we're going to see they a grand, kind of sweeping overview of God's working to create... And to make things, and then to begin to redeem the world. Whereas chapter 12 through 50, which we'll see in coming months, begins with the call of Abraham and then follows that one family line through the rest of Genesis. In our section, we're going to hear these sweeping stories of creation and fall and rebellion and murder and pride, but also grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. The book was titled Genesis, which is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word, which basically just means in the beginning. In the beginning, it's the first words of the book, in the beginning, and the title of Genesis is perfect because this book starts at the beginning of all things as we know it, as you and I know it. We know so much about, uh, what what we know so much about begins in this book, in the book of Genesis. Where it all begins. And even here in our text today, take a look with me if you've got your Bibles open in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So much foundation begins right here. That's our text today. It's short today. Short and sweet. No scripture reading today. It was just me. Genesis one, In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. There's so much foundation right there. And you know, the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, who wrote this book then? They affirm that this book that covers so much of our beginnings was authored by uh, the book of Moses. In fact, we think the first five books of the Bible were. The Old Testament clearly says that Moses at least wrote some of these books where he records, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book And recite it in the ears of Joshua. And so while it doesn't say Moses wrote Genesis, we know that these early writings, they were claimed to be written by Moses right in a book and recited. Well, did you know this too? Jesus himself, when we come to the time of the New Testament, believed that Moses was the author of these first five books. Here's what he said in John chapter 5. He said, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There's one who accuses you. Moses, on whom you've set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he, what? Wrote of me. But if you do not believe in his writings, how much you will believe in my words. And so even Jesus at this time when he was walking the earth, believed that Moses wrote down God's word. And not only that, but that word spoke about Jesus. We're going to talk about that today a little bit too. So Moses wrote Genesis probably sometime Uh, around the 1500s BC, possibly, as the Israelites wandered in the Exodus time, as they were asking, why are we here? What are we doing? What has happened? They needed a fresh reminder of who God was and where they came from and where they were heading. So he writes this down, this primeval history of the world, which if you think about the context too, our very first verse even today is shocking. The context in which uh, Moses wrote, the world was pagan. What do I mean by that? Uh, the Egyptians and the Babylonians, they believed in, in all kinds of gods. Gods of nature, gods of the sun, gods of the moon, and, and many gods. Pantheism is the word. Lots of gods. And into that world, where these gods were needy, capricious, self-centered, and, and, and vicious, into that world where so many people believed that all these gods comes Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God. And this God created heavens and earth. The shocking, revolutionary verse, even the first one of our book to come into the context of this pagan world where Moses wrote it down. But that world is far gone, isn't it? That world is long gone. Those cultures, those people, and I realize as we come to a book like this, we might be thinking, okay, it's important and it's historical, and, but how in the world are we going to make this relevant? Thousands of years later. Thousands of years. And many cultures later. And to people like me, like us, who are probably mostly unfamiliar with those cultures and that history, that's what I want to do right now. In our shorter kind of abbreviated message today, I want to do that right now. I want to give us the reason and answer the question, why Genesis? Why would we choose Genesis for Bethany Church right now? And and why would we do this book so many years later, so far removed from it? We're going to look today at several foundational reasons why Genesis, and then some kind of foundational theology of the opening verse of the Bible. So hopefully you got your outline open. We're going to move fast this morning, a little faster. I guess we don't have a brunch waiting on us like first service did. So, I mean, we could take all day, I guess, but it's a little shorter today. Uh, We're going to look at the foundational reasons for why Genesis. And here's our first one. It's the foundation of God speaking. The foundation of God speaking. The book of Genesis allows us to kind of peek behind the curtain of history. You remember the, the Wizard of Oz? They peeked behind the curtain, and it wasn't very impressive, was it? Once they actually looked behind the curtain. But we get to peek behind the curtain of history to a time when nothing existed. Nothing existed. You wrap your mind around that. You know your history up to where you, from where you began. To, to, to think before that or before all of us, what was here? And when we look back in history, we're going to see, it's going to show us that God was there. And not only there, God was eternally happy, existing in his triune self. And yet he chose to speak. To speak, to utter words, to and to use those words to create out of his speech. Chose to create and and then reveal himself to us by speaking to the first humans we're going to meet in this book, Adam and Eve. But then speaking to the patriarchs, the, the, the fathers in, of the faith. And then speaking through Moses and his written word that we have today still. And we'll see as we look at this book that it's been his intent from the beginning of creation to make a world, to make people, to create this garden world and then walk with his creation, having a relationship with them through speech, through communication. But as we know, the story tells us it's lost. That fellowship is broken. It's lost. It's severed. And very quickly we see God coming to the garden. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? And the rest of the Bible is God speaking and working to restore the garden city that we lost in his presence. It was God's initial plan, make a garden, the people will cultivate it, build it up, and I'll be there. Here's a little quick overview, just a quick overview of how the Bible tells this story that starts in the beginning of God's speaking relationship with his people and him getting it back. We began in the garden city, we know that. We'll see that in Genesis 1 and 2. We lost it, but then God doesn't give up on his people. And he has his presence with them in the tabernacle. He's there as they wander. And he communicates and he speaks with them and then moves on a little larger. They, they have a temple that they build in this city, Jerusalem, that becomes their, their place, their capital where the kings are and they reign and they, they represent God on the earth as he speaks with them and communes with them. But then Jesus comes. God in the flesh comes, the word, and speaks to us and the church is birthed. And he's present in, in, inside of us. But then it's all going back to where? The garden city. So Genesis, what we have in God speaking and creating, will culminate ultimately at the end of the Bible when the very thing he set up that we lost, he'll give back to us. The perfect garden city where we dwell together with him and see him as he is. It's the pattern of the Bible. The first foundation we see is why Genesis? Because it's God's foundational speaking. Here's our second one. The foundation of The covenants. This one's so important. So important. But such a weird word. How many of us use the word covenant in our everyday language? And if you do, I want to know how. Because it just doesn't come up very often. But it's important. It matters. From Genesis onward, what does God do? He makes these oaths. These uh, agreements. These partnerships between Two parties, that's what a covenant is, a binding agreement between two parties. They're God's oaths, his, his obligations to you and I with our obligations to him as well. From Adam to Noah to Abraham, we're going to see these covenants become like, like the support structure, you might even say. Think of a building. The rebar in the building and the walls that keeps the structure safe and sound, those are the covenants that God makes with us which allow the faithful to act. Even when they're doubting or even when they don't know where the promised land is going to be or where Abraham's supposed to go when he's called out to create this new people and he's asked to leave everything behind in Genesis. We're going to see that. The covenant he made was the foundation, the structure that gave him the ability to act. But, as we'll see too, we as humans break covenants and partnership by thinking over and over again that we know best. The pattern too will be in Genesis and it began in the garden at the fall, we'll see in a few weeks. So God begins to make covenants With a chosen people after the fall, a family line to restore and bring the new covenant and Jesus to earth for all people. The nations. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing to the nations. The covenants are missional-minded. They go out to the world. It begins here. It's foundational. Well, here's our third one. I love this one. The foundational battle of the serpent and seed. Another weird word. Genesis is going to bring up a lot of words. Where we're like, what is that? We're going to have to define some terms as we go along the way. It's another term we don't use every day, the seed. But it's a foundational battle that takes place. How many like a good battle story or movie? Or, you know, you think of the quintessential Braveheart, those types of movies where there's good and evil in a battle. We love those kind of battle stories. And if it's not even a true battle, the, a story just of good and evil. It doesn't have to be war and armies, but, but, but battles, those stories. Genesis tells us the story of Jesus coming to earth that begins in Genesis as well. It begins in Genesis. Genesis gives us this foundational spiritual battle that's been fought through all of history. All of history, this battle, this spiritual battle has gone on. It's intensified it does intensify throughout the Bible, being won by Jesus at his death and resurrection. But it'll culminate at his return. It began with God speaking to Satan these words. You see him popping up on the screen behind me. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's a strange verse, but what God is saying in this initial words to to, uh, to the serpent is that someone will come from the seed, the line. The offspring is the word that our translation makes. Someone will come from that family who's going to bruise this serpent's head. And as he's bruising this serpent's head and stomping down his foot upon this serpent, that serpent will get one bite at his heel. It's a little confusing. It's interesting. They probably were, What are you talking about, God? The serpent would wound his heel as he crushed his head. A wounded victor, we're talking about. A wounded victor. So, is there any surprise that if this is the spiritual battle that begins here, when Jesus, the one, the seed, the one from the line of this family that begins all the way back in Genesis comes to earth, that the demons thrash? That they rage? That they're more active then than at any other time because this one has come. The seed has come. That's why Genesis is so important because that battle began there and they realize it's getting a lot closer. He's on earth. He's here. And if we can see that, we will have, be able to, to marvel even more at Jesus and realize that foundational cosmic battle that began in Genesis, our wounded victor won and didn't stay wounded but rose from the dead. Here's our fourth one. The foundational theology of Genesis is just really rich, really important. The things we're going to be exposed to along the way in this book. It's our fourth reason why we're going to think great and grand thoughts about God, is my hope. Great, grand thoughts about God. And in light of that truth about ourselves, here's some you see on the screen that I just this week, just a few, but here's some of them. Original sin, what is that? Total depravity, that sounds like some bad band name or something. Justification by faith, federal headship, like what is that? But that's so important. We don't have Jesus without that. Providence, God's sovereignty, God's providence or blessing and curse. These are just some of the things uh, I jotted down this week, just the tip of the iceberg here. But if it's true, as we said last week, that the, the most important thing about you is that what comes into your mind when you think about God or somebody asks you who is God what you think about him comes into your mind first and foremost is the most important thing about you then the foundational truths about God that we're going to get and glean from Genesis are absolutely important aren't they they form us as a people they show us who God is our fourth foundational reason. Hopefully, I'm making a case for us this morning. That's my point or my hope that we will leave today going, we got to go through this book. We need to hear what Genesis has to say about God thousands of years later. Here's our fifth one. The foundational history and and human condition. Just a foundational history and human condition. Genesis lets us look Uh, At a history that's unpacked, starts here in Genesis, but it's unpacked throughout the Bible in the rest of the Bible. Think about what happens when you take an acorn or a seed and you plant it in the ground. You plant it, it's small, it starts, it's there, it's real, it's there, but you can't see it too much. But then over time, what does it do? It sprouts, it grows, and this little tiny seed, this acorn, becomes a full oak. Oh, these stories that are in Genesis are like little acorns. Tiny little seeds that get planted into the ground. And by the time they, 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 they flourish and blossom by the New Testament, we have a giant oak tree that we, oh, I get it. Abraham, the seed, Isaac. He almost sacrificed him. I'll provide that lamb. Oh, the lamb of God. The giant oak tree that began as a little seed over here. It's so important. So important. And the history we see also gives us our universal human condition. And that's all of us. Universal is everyone. We're all humans. Adam was as human as we are too. That we are sinners in need of great help. Genesis shows us that. Genesis, we're going to see Greed. Murder, deception, adultery, abuse, war, oppression, lying, you name it, it's here. It's, it's not a boring book by any means. And it will probably shockingly so to us. Not boring. And as we see these stories and the, this, this universal human condition, we're going to see a cycle, a structure of how God tends to deal with it. Here it is. I gave a couple of visuals this morning for those of you who are visual learners. Here's that structure. We'll see a story where the universal human condition shows its ugly head somebody sins somebody breaks covenant somebody does something god does not desire and god comes and he speaks to them he addresses them with his speech with his words and with that he usually talks about a penalty something that they've incurred because of their sin but in the middle of that we'll also see grace Grace from God, even in the Old Testament. And then usually there is some sort of punishment that comes along with that. It's a cycle we'll see in the, there's five general stories in chapters 1 through 11 that we'll see, this this cycle. And when we look at this history of God dealing with people and the universal sinful condition and the tendency to break the covenant and fellowship with God, do you know what Genesis is going to show us? Grace and faith. Grace and faith. If I was to ask you about Genesis in the Old Testament and describe it in words, what are some of the themes, some of the words that pop into your head when you think about the Old Testament, I'm guessing grace might not be at the top of your list. Maybe you think judgment, wrath, law, laws, um, a number of words. But grace might not be at the top of your, word, your list. But do you know something? Genesis is about grace. Grace. Genesis is about grace. And I think it's going to be surprisingly so for a lot of us as we look at the Old Testament. It's about grace. Through all five stories we're going to see as sin is increasing and and punishment is even severe, God's grace still breaks in. Here's a quote from Kent Hughes. He said, Adam and Eve are punished, but God graciously withholds the death penalty. He even gives them some clothes, a nice new wardrobe we're going to see. Cain is banished from his family, but God graces him with a mark of protection. Don't lay your hands on Cain. He's got this mark, protected by God, grace. The flood comes, but what happens? God graciously preserves the human race through through Noah. We're going to have this grace. My prayer is going to be, as we look at the book of Genesis, this grace will transform us, overwhelm us, that God from beginning to end has been a gracious God. And as God's people today have that grace fill our lives, because we're going to see, really, that we are just like them. We're just like them. Their story is our story. A different culture, different setting, but we're all human beings who need a Savior, who need God's great help. Their story is our story. We're going to see it. The patriarchs, the the fathers, the ones that, that God worked through of the faith, do you know what we're going to see? They failed miserably, time and time again. And in fact, when we go through this, you might even be tempted to say, These are the heroes of the faith? These are the heroes of the faith? Now, they had some great acts of faith. Abraham leaves his home. We're going to talk about those two and celebrate those two and think through those. But the point is actually, they're not the heroes of the story, but God is. When he tends to work through those who make mistakes, his name shines all the more greater. That God is the hero of the faith and of the story, and he always has been, and he's always saved by grace through faith. It's our second word, grace and faith there. Even the best now, even the best of the early Old Testament saints, the men and women who followed God, Thousands of years ago, even the best of them couldn't merit, earn God's favor or salvation. Here's a question I like to ask us to think about time and time. How were Old Testament saints saved? How were they saved? I mean, we hear about the law a lot, and there was, God demanded they keep the law. There was blessings and punishment that came with that. But how are they saved? Through faith. Genesis 15, 6. And he, the verse says, and he, Abraham, believed the Lord, had faith, trusted, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. That's justified. Good in God's eyes. Abraham believed. Now what did he believe in? A tiny acorn. A tiny acorn. The promises he had up to that time that God gave him. The tiny acorn. He believed in God, counted it in righteousness. What do we have to believe in? We have the oak tree. We have the cross. We have the resurrection. But it began in these little promises that God gave, and those that believed were saved through believing. Abraham, like everybody else who's ever been saved was, by God, was justified through faith, faith. And Genesis is going to show us that through that foundational history, and human condition. Here's our sixth one today. The foundational, Genesis is the foundational story of stories. It is the story of stories. I think, as we've we already talked about movies this morning, I think we were wired to, to, to love stories. We all love a good story. We're made in God's image as relational beings and, 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 and made to be in community, and communities have stories, don't they? Ours has some stories, many stories. And Genesis is the story of stories. It's a beautiful as we go and look at it. It's a beautiful narrative of drama, of conflict, and, and weakness, and yet this strange, these strange grace-filled resolutions we're going to see in these strange stories. And I think it's actually going to also be surprisingly relevant to you I, I, I'm, I'm hoping fo- hopeful for that and even promising that. It's going to be surprisingly relevant because we're going to see that human root issues, they transcend culture. They transcend time and place in these stories. They were like us in a lot of ways, even as they were different. But what I'm most excited about in this story of stories to, to show you, to go along with you, is to, to find Jesus, in Genesis. Jesus said, "Moses wrote about me. Moses wrote about Jesus, and and he even said to those who were speaking in that verse that, you know, if you don't believe me, you're not believing Moses. Moses wrote about me. I'm uh, one of the most things i excited about is finding Jesus in Genesis with you. Here's just one little example, just one. Who Abraham? This man Abraham." was called out by God to leave behind his wealth, leave behind what was comfortable, leave behind what was rightfully his, where he had established himself, and go out into this strange land to be part of creating a new people. Who else did that? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus left his comfortable home of heaven left what was rightfully his, heir of all things, and he left it to go out into this strange, desolate world that didn't look like the world he created, and leave that behind, empty himself, Philippians says, become humble, come to this earth to do what? Create a new people. Like Abraham was called to do, to create a new people. We have so much ahead of us in this book. So much wrapped up, even into this short little verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We close with just a little bit on this verse because we're going to start there next week again. But in the beginning, before time existed, God was. It's our seventh foundational reason. The foundation is, for this book, why we're doing it, is God's the beginning. And it tells us that, and it's going to show us that. This is why Genesis is because... God is the beginning of all things, and this is his book. In the beginning, God. One of the things we're going to take away from this is we're going to see that Genesis and the Bible ultimately isn't about you and I. Of course, it is. We're humans, and God wrote it for us, and he recorded it for us, and he has it for us. This book. And even the characters in these stories, ultimately, it's not even necessarily fully about them. In the beginning, the verse says, God. And if any book was the the hero of the story in the Bible, it's Genesis. In the beginning, God. Everything comes from him. He existed before time, and he's always existed before time. Eternity is such a strange thing to wrap your mind around. We just only know beginnings and endings as humans, finite creatures, if you ever to do that and you sort of think, how, how did God always exist? In the beginning, God. You go there and you're kind of like, okay, a thousand years, okay. All right, I kind of think that way. and Okay, before humans, but wait, 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 wait. Always backwards? Like forever backwards? It kind of, your mind sort of, uh, like, you know, something kind of frizzes and just kind of working and freezes up. That's what that does to my mind when I start thinking about that. It's like, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. And then you go, wait, you just kind of have one of those moments. In the beginning. Genesis is about God from the first verse to the last. And I hope we see that because that's going to make it really the most beneficial for us, actually, if God's the center of this series. Well, we spring from him. We come from him and it's our eighth foundational thing that even this verse tells us he created, he's in the beginning, he created heavens and earth. He's the foundation of all things. And that's what heaven and earth means in that verse. It's just a summary way of saying like, Everything that exists, he made. God created the heavens and the earth. And that doesn't just mean here, this planet. That would mean from the tiniest hair on your head or cell of your skin to the grandest galaxy, whatever, billions of light years away, he made all of it. It's incredible thought that there's places in this galaxy that Humans don't even know existed, and we'll never see that God made. Why did he do that? Just for his own joy, maybe? Pleasure? That someday he'll show them to us, maybe, on the other side of this earth? I don't know. But what I do know, and the verse tells us, is that he made heaven and earth. Which means that our little time here, my life and your life, this little moment here, which in the grand schemes of eternity is like what? A little blip on the radar. doesn't mean it doesn't matter or it's not important. But if he made all of that, and we're going to see it in Genesis, and he was before all of that, can he not also use a thousands-year-old book to bless us today? He can and he will. It also means that every detail of your life, he has, he knows, he's orchestrated history, and we're going to get to see it in this book. So here's the question that we close with today. We asked it with the Gospel of Mark. We're going to ask it again as we start a new series. We're going to come to this book. And at the end of it, I just don't, or even in the middle of it, I don't want us just to say, well, I've learned this about God and this and this, and how is this book going to just make us smarter? But how is this book going to change you? Remember that question we asked in the Gospel of Mark? How is Genesis going to change you? Not just so they become, uh, you've got more theology at your fingertips or you can say define federal headship. That'd be good and all, but uh, we want to be changed by God's word. So how are you going to be changed? How am I going to be changed by Genesis? Along the way, but as we come to the end of it. Or Genesis 1 through 11, we come to the end of that. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to use this series. Use it in our lives. Use your word on all these foundational things we've just explored in this short time this morning to transform us, to change us, to let us see your, the covenant making and keeping God, to let us grasp a bit of your heart for the nations, even as you began in to work with just one man, that you've expand, expanded that and, and blown that open to bring in the nations to you, Jesus. We ask you, change us through Genesis by the power of your Spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen.